on this episode of Startup the Science. UBQ Material is leading the dawn of a new era in manufacturing, introducing the market to a novel bio-based thermoplastic that is converted entirely from unsorted household waste. The UBQ Material is cost-competitive and compatible across industries, making sustainability the simple choice for manufacturers in automotive, construction, consumer goods, retails, and many more. The next time you're looking for a product that is promoting a circular economy, and preserving our environment, seek the sunrise with UBQ. Please visit ubqmaterials.com. Hello, Sophie. Welcome to Start of the Science. Great to have you with us today. Um, please tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're joining us from today. Hi, my name is Sophie Tubiao. I'm from uh, UBQ Materials. We are based in Tel Aviv, and my job at UBQ is I am basically responsible for business development and sales. I've joined the UBQ team three years ago. And since then, I'm trying to push UBQ to the market as the new green material. New green material. And I also saw on uh, on your website, and we know because we've been working with, with UBQ for a few months now, that um, it looks like a very, very promising material. So the claim is that it's one of the greenest, if not the greenest thermoplastic material on the planet at the moment, and it's revolutionizing the world of materials. So those are big claims. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? What exactly is this, uh, this wonder material? The material is actually the result of a conversion process, which is the technology that was developed by UBQ and is patented. We actually take household waste, unsorted, mixed household waste. And in Israel, we don't separate anything. We have only one bin at home. So food waste, cardboard, the garden trimmings, and of course, all the plastics you can recycle and those that you cannot are in that bin and they arrive to our plant as raw material. So this is our raw material, garbage and we transform it into a composite material that at the end of the process can replace conventional polymers in the manufacture of plastic parts. So it doesn't get greener than that. It sounds like it. And and how do you do this? So you take what is essentially garbage, any kind of garbage mixed together, right? No separation takes place prior to, to all this um, trash getting to you. And then somehow at the end of the day, you have uh, you have a green material. So what is the process? As much as you can you can share with us. Well, basically, what we have developed is a way to use the organic matter to act as a binder between the different components. We take all the organic components in waste. We decompose them to the most basic level of lignin, sugar, cellulose, and fiber, which are common to every organic material, okay? And we use these common building blocks in order to create a uniform structure that acts as a binder between the other non-organic components, mainly plastics. As you know, plastics don't like one another, and therefore we need to separate them in order to recycle. And we have just found this amazing shortcut that uses the organic material in order to force mixed plastics to actually work together. This uh, structure that we create with organic materials alongside plastics that bind to it constitute a composite material, which is the UBQ material at the end of our process. And how can we how can we imagine your composite material? What does it look like? Does it come as a, as a paste? As a, what, what is it? So it's composite material, right? 
UPQ material is a composite, but if you look at it, you will see a gray powder. That's the basic form of UPQ. And this powder, then we, com uh, we compress into a pellet-like material, as similar to other plastics that are used in the industry. They arrive in the form of pellets. Our pellets are compressed, very similar to, let's say, a fish food or cat litter that you see with your cat at home. Tan that you put in the cat box, the litter box, is very similar to the UBQ material, I would say. Okay. And then what do we use it for? What kind of uh, plastics does it replace? Because uh, we know now we're surrounded by plastic. It comes in all these different uh, shapes and sizes and colors. They could be boxes, but they could also be a cling film. Um, yeah, there are the different ways in which plastic is, is being used. So what what parts of these are replaced by UBQ? Well, basically UBQ is a universal material. It is compatible with all the different plastics. So I can mix it with polypropylene, I can mix it with polyethylene, I can mix it with PVC. The only limitation in terms of plastic to plastic compatibility is the heat resistance of the UBQ material. Because UBQ is bio-based, the heat resistance of the material is relatively low in the plastic world. We are limited to the 200 degrees, which means that plastics that are common, for instance, polyamides and polystyrens and engineered plastics that have a higher melting point than 200 degrees are outside our compatibility uh, scope. The other side of the compatibility is, of course, the processing technology. Uh, so far, we are rather limited to the rigid plastic applications, so injection molding, extrusion molding, compressing, even 3D printing are technologies in which UBQ can be used. Uh, if we look at what products are already made with UBQ, then I'm, if you follow UBQ, you can see that we have an amazing project with McDonald's in which we are doing a trace for the restaurants that are UBQ inside, the first climate positive trace in the market today. We have a very amazing cooperation with Daimler, looking to introduce car parts for a luxury brand made with garbage, which is really, I think, one of many, I hope, but very interesting to see how it develops. And we have many other applications in, let's say, in the intermediate between a very simple uh, tray and a very complicated car part. So all in the middle that is rigid and non-foot contact, it's a good candidate for UBQ implementation. Okay, so quite a wide range of applications, right? So if we think about a tray versus a McDonald's tray versus an automotive part, they're quite different things, but uh, at the heart of it is, is the material, first of all. So if we take this uh, one example of the McDonald's tray, because that's very easy to imagine. If we take that further, what happens to this tray at the end of its uh, life cycle? So I can imagine it can be used you know, thousands of times. And then at the end, when it's no longer good, where does it go? It doesn't go, I hope, to the same landfill where a plastic uh, tray would go. What happens to it? Well, at the end of life, any tray that is made of one component, one material can be recycled. When you introduce UBQ into the tray, okay, in this case, let's talk about polypropylene, okay? If we introduce UBQ into the polypropylene, that is the actual composition of the McDonald's tray, okay? The tray at the end of life can be recycled as polypropylene. The UBQ inside will not constitute a contamination of the stream 
the recycling stream and will not contribute to a different degradation of the polypropylene stream. So UBQ is as an additive, if it was green or if, uh, if it was red, it will be still polypropylene. It has UBQ or doesn't have UBQ, it still be regarded as polypropylene for recycling purposes. Although with UBQ, that trait can be climate positive, which is something that using polypropylene cannot be achieved. Sounds very good, especially as more and more companies are aiming to become more sustainable and your material seems to have so many different possible applications, right? One final question on the sustainability aspect of it. Sometimes um, we hear about these wonder materials that are very sustainable in and of themselves, but the process to make them maybe less sustainable. <laughs> so I was wondering if you can tell us, you've already mentioned a bit the, the process, but how climate positive is the process of making the material, not the material itself? Well, I should say that we started UBQ in 2012 and it took us seven years to develop the idea into an industrial technology. A large part of this time was used in order to ensure that our process is as sustainable as our material. Our process is very energy efficient. We don't use any other ingredients other than waste. We don't use water in the process and we don't create any effluence, no waste or scrub. So efficiency and sustainability are from the one side and on the other side, looking at the material itself, it is upcycled, it is recyclable, it is bio-based, it is climate positive, and I think the thing that is more important, and I think it's an important factor when talking about sustainability, is that it is price competitive to the polymer it replaces. Many claims have been made to green materials that are very green and very good for the environment, but they are very expensive and therefore their adoption by the industry is, uh, is very difficult. In our case, we are able to bring the sustainability, as well as the cost effectiveness. That's that's uh, really amazing. And that was going to be one of my, my next questions, actually, because from working with um, other companies that are making green materials, we know this can be a challenge. It is not unusual, of course, that a new material would be more expensive than good old plastic that's been around for, for a while. Um, but it is a challenge when they try to, to sell it to others, right? So how, how competitive are we talking about? Is it uh, on, on a par with plastic or just a little bit more expensive? It's on a par with plastic, especially today that the, bar, the price of polymers are so high that today we are even cheaper than conventional plastic. Okay, well, then it seems like a no-brainer. It seems like everyone should, should adopt your material. Uh, so I'm curious to know how this idea came about. Was it a research project or how did, uh, how did UBQ actually start? Well, actually, the basic uh, eureka moment was a lab mistake. Somebody introduced waste into a process that was not meant for waste. And wow, it works. So the eureka moment was a very big mistake that turned out to be a very huge opportunity. And then the angels, investors, and founders of UVQ decided to go crazy and invest into that uh, mistake. And uh, look and behold, uh, eight years afterwards, we are about to set up our first large-scale facility in the Netherlands. So I guess their bet was a good one. That's great. It's great to hear that good things come out of out of mistakes. I guess that that usually tends to happen, you know, in our lives. But it's nice to see that uh, in a lab, it also works. 
We'll get right back to the episode, but first, a quick word about one of our AdmaCom sponsors. AdmaCom stands for the Advanced Materials Competition, and it's our two-week accelerator program for startups in advanced materials. Our friends at Sonnenberg Harrison Partnershaft are your partner for innovation, law, and business. They offer comprehensive services and solution-oriented advice in the field of intellectual property and technology law. First and foremost, the team at Sonnenberg Harrison think in an entrepreneurial way. For them, it's not about being right, but about ensuring the success of your company. They have an international team of patent attorneys and technology lawyers, and their experience covers a broad spectrum of industries. To learn more about Sonnenberg Harrison, head to their website at www.sonnenbergharrison.law. So when did you join UBQ? Were you there from, from the beginning or did you join more, more recently? No, I joined UBQ three years ago. I come from 20 years in the industry. You, most of you don't see me, but... I am older than the regular startup person <laughs> and I come with 20 something years of uh, business development experience in the industry. I used to work in the chemicals, in the plastics and the automotive. And when I got a call from UBQ that were looking for a business development person, I said, listen, I'm not really looking for a new job. But if you are telling me it's right, then I need to see the process. So I came to see what UBQ was about and I just got hooked. I said, it's really from my point of view, an opportunity to use my skills for the better and really an opportunity to leave my kids. And I have three of them. So to leave them a better planet is a very important task. That is definitely an important task, and I'm glad they they convinced you to join. Were you working for startups before, or was it a transition from a larger company to a startup? No, it was really very traditional, very heavy industry-based, nothing to do with startups, uh, multinational, large large groups mainly. Wow, so that that's a bit of a risk, right, to to move to a startup. Luckily, things have been going well for for you guys, and the team has also grown. Tell us a little bit about that. Where is UBQ at the moment? How how big is your team? How developed is the company? Well, as I told you before, we are about to set up our first large-scale facility. That is a very significant uh, jump in our uh, workforce as well as our footprint. We will have uh, a plant that is actually 12 times bigger than the one we have in Israel that will require a lot of new employees and to fund our team to support those uh, activities. So it's it's a very exciting time. The Dutch plant should be operational by the end of 2022, which means that during 2022, we will be doing massive recru- recruiting and massive building. So it's going to be exciting. And are you recruiting for an entire new team in the Netherlands or are, is part of your team in, in Israel going to move there? Or how is this going to work? It's not. It's going to be an entire new team and some of the functions will be even an addition to the functions we don't have today as a small startup. (laughs) Very exciting. And so for all these developments to be possible, including what I imagine is a pretty expensive uh, new plant, are you raising more funds or are you uh, you looking for additional investors at the moment or, or how does that look? These days, we are doing a significant round of funding. Uh, we are about to complete that. Uh, we are in a good point. That is great to hear. So 
what are our wishes for for UBQ? What do you hope will happen in the next uh, year or the next five years? Obviously, we're hoping this material will become uh, more and more present in the world around us, replacing more and more of the plastics we see. And I guess the big mission is, you know, to make the world, as you said, uh, slightly better for for your children and all the children. But what is um, what is the more immediate hope that you have for the next few years for the company? Well, the, I think that the first immediate uh, need is for us to meet the time the timeline of the new plant. We have taken uh, commitments and we are working very hard to make that happen. So if we are ready and we do launch at the end of 2022, that will be a great accomplishment from us. Uh, from the other side, we still look for uh, new customers, new implementers of UBQ material. The plastic industry is very traditional. The shift to recycled materials and to new materials is relatively slow. And uh, we need to make the most of this uh, year that we have in order to validate as uh, many as possible new applications that UBQ can be used in. And are there some particular industries that you would be most excited to be in? So we mentioned uh, automotive with Daimler and then your collaboration with McDonald's. Are there other industries that you're targeting that you think they really, really need to give up on their existing ways and become more sustainable and it would be an ideal collaboration for you? We see a lot of potential in the building components, in the construction uh, industry, Uh, materials such as flooring, for instance, PVC-based floorings or PVC-based piping or artificial wall floodings or plastic composite material that are used as built components. All of those are very good uh, candidates for UBQ implementation, but they require volume. And therefore, when we are in Israel with a small plant, it is quite difficult. But I see that once we get Uh, the plant up and running and we have the capacity, this will be a customer target that will be at the top of my list. So construction industry. And once you have that, that volume will be able to, to cater for that. Try, trying to understand this from the perspective of, let's say, a large construction company. Other than the the simple wish to become more sustainable, what would be their incentive to, to change their existing materials? So the cost is not an issue because your material is on par with existing materials. But um, what would, I suppose, what would make them take this, this jump to, to a new material? I think that when we talk about price, it's not a one-to-one parity that we are looking at. I think that plastic components are by nature very volatile. They are dependent on the oil uh, price. And when we look at UBQ, we are completely independent. We can grant the industry a long-term stability in terms of material price, which is a huge advantage, especially for large-scale users. So if you don't have to worry about what the price will be tomorrow, you are in a better place. On the second side, we will go to the sustainability side and talk about the carbon footprint of the construction operation. UBQ material is climate positive. It means that when you replace one ton of polypropylene with one ton of UBQ material, you are avoiding 14.5 tons of CO2 equivalent emissions. That is a proposition that any corporation would like to see as a statement in their sustainability report. 100%, yeah. And what I hope is that they don't just want to see it because it looks nice, but I hope that they will be legally forced <laughs> to, to want to see it and slowly it's getting there. 
that is also starting. I mean, when we talk about the automotive uh, industry, for instance, they are being regulated to decrease the CO2 emissions, and therefore their adoption rate of materials such as UBQ is quicker than others. But at the end of the day, when the industry uh, is incentivized to use carbon negative materials such as ours, that will put us in a better place. And I think that that is coming. We already see incentivization towards the increase of recycled material use, the legislation of recycled content in packaging. I think it's the beginning of that. And it will grow throughout the industries, hopefully reaching also construction at the end. Let's, let's hope so. We'll, we'll keep your finger, our fingers crossed for you. Um, so I, I have a question that was just floating through my head as you were talking about the plant in, in the Netherlands. I was wondering why you picked the Netherlands um, as a location for, for your plant. Is it because you're, you want to have a more European, uh, let's say, base? And why the Netherlands from other potential European countries? Are they more eco-friendly than other countries? I don't think they are more eco-friendly. I think that Europe in general is very aware of what needs to be done in order to become a, a zero waste or zero emissions by 2050, which is a, a huge target, very common to everybody today. Uh, in the Netherlands is a logistic heaven. It has a lot of advantages in terms of logistics. Many of our potential customers are in a very close by radio. We are able to source waste in a very convenient manner. And the government and the, and the authorities at the EU with the, uh, with the Green Deal uh, have provided us a lot of support. Okay, so it's a good choice. And as you mentioned, you're able to source waste in a convenient way. Um, at the beginning, you were telling us that in Israel, there is no sorting, there's just one bin, and that's how you get the trash. In Europe, at least in, in Germany, where we live, we sort our trash. It's a very big deal in Berlin to sort your trash in four <laughs> different piles. I would imagine in the Netherlands, it's similar. So how will this work? Will you take different piles and then put them back together, or will you get your trash from? Luxury we don't get in Israel. In Israel, we need to monitor the waste in order to make sure that we have enough of every of the components. In the Netherlands, in Europe in general, since you are so well organized, we will have the opportunity to do some mix and match in a very convenient fashion. Okay, so it's actually an advantage, not a disadvantage, that we sort our trash and we should keep doing that. Hopefully, yes. Again, we don't we we really see our technology not as a competitor to recycling, but as a complement to recycling. We can take anything that is left after all the recyclers have removed whatever they can recycle efficiently. The residual waste from the recycling operation is the UBQ raw material. Okay, so anyone listening to this thinking, okay, I'm going to stop recycling so that there's enough raw material for UBQ, please don't stop recycling. Recycling is very important and we need to keep doing whatever we do to increase the recycling rates. That's good to know. So I'll, I'll keep putting my bottles in the, in the bottle bin. Um, good. So Sophie, as we're coming close to the end of this conversation, I want to ask you for one big wish that you have for the company. You've already mentioned um, a few things that are you know, coming in the next years for, for UBQ. But if there was one dream that you had that could come, uh, come true tomorrow, what would that be? I would really love to see instead of landfills, 
in every place in the world, a very big plant of UBQ taking care of the waste. So if it is in Sri Lanka, in Germany, or in Paraguay, then I would like to see, instead of every landfill that is contaminating the environment, a plant of UBQ that is upcycling the waste into new materials that can be put to good use. Well, that's a very ambitious dream, and I hope it comes true for you guys. So um, on that note, I'd like to thank you very much for being with us today. I will uh, keep an eye on UBQ and support you whichever way we can, especially as you'll be in the Netherlands closer to us. And we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to Startup the Science. If you'd like to learn more about our podcast, head to www.enum.berlin slash startupthescience. You can also follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. If you'd like to leave us a message or ask us or our guests any questions, send us a DM or leave us a message on our website. We would love to hear from you. Stay tuned for our next episode. Coming soon.